Welcome to Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. My name, Dr. Michael David Clay. I am not a computer. <laughs> Even that sounds um, behind the times, as they say. I am not a technology giant. Uh, either in terms of comprehension, understanding, or application. So, when I have to do something that is either technology-based, uh, I say computer, it used to be the only way, uh, certainly computer-based uh, has that dimension, but it's more than computers. Computers, again, are just the way, or is just the way, or one of ways, maybe the only way, I suppose, to connect you to the technology, but it's more about the technology. Uh, even more specifically, it's uh, not only about technology, but it's about just that connecting, uh, communicating, uh, even what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry, technology, I pod. <laughs> Even that's archaic. Um, cell phone. Um, GameCube. <laughs> uh, Xbox. Uh, Role playing games. Virtual reality. Facebook. Uh, Instagram um, <laughs> used to be emails, uh, texting. All of these are ways, means, maybe ends to technology, and as it correlates to communicating. Now, Maybe just for entertainment value. Certainly there's much to be said about experiences, phenomenon, <laughs> opportunities, uh, living, breathing. That could be established in a situation or circumstance that can just be fun. People pay a lot of money to be entertained and presumably in some manner come out the other side of the experience and say they enjoyed it. Maybe fun's not the right word, but at least they enjoyed it. And certainly technology can bring us enjoyment. But more than that, there can be a serious dimension and maybe you could enjoy that too. That's why I sort of thought twice about describing it as fun. Uh, there's a lot of information. If you're about knowledge, knowing, there's a lot of information that gets communicated via technology in a way that it never has. The Apostle Paul would have had a platform. <laughs> he would have had a podcast. He would have had a web page. Uh, thinking about, in word, uh, his presentation on Mars Hill. And I suppose, in that same way, the world has not changed much. The Greeks, <laughs> the Grecians, were ahead of their time. Or maybe they we're only a manifestation of what in time could be what we have today. Mars Hill. Technology is much like Mars Hill. We all check in in one way or another. Used to be television. That was the cutting edge of technology for a while. Then it became, as with broadcasts, then it became more selective cable. Uh, you could have particular channels then as channels multiplied uh, you have pay-per-view or you could subscribe to then these particular channels all of which are um, 
means by which communication of ideas, thoughts, and paradigms ensue. Technology is more than a computer. It's more than any of the other possible ways that you may access information. And, of course, I haven't mentioned it yet, but all of this comes back to the World Wide Web, which who have you heard call it that or even need to speak of that in the last decade? I'm technologically challenged. I can remember a time when a book was the primary means of communicating in mass, or at least written word. Now it is spoken word, which is not maybe a whole lot different, and certainly as many of those other forms of technology and communicating that I've mentioned even in today's podcast would go, many of those are multimedia, visual, auditory, um, virtual. But the World Wide Web is where it seems to all exist. The Apostle Paul would have been a www dot. Whatever. (laughs) I don't think it would have been com, although I don't know if you've noticed, but you can put com after anything, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's truly commercial. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but it doesn't seem that way. At least I've found myself in situations where I've gone to a dot-com and didn't see any sort of business transactions going on, except maybe this, the, the business of communicating, transaction being I went there. They probably stole my data. <laughs> they, they took what they could from me, uh, either by making me give that to them or by installing cookies or whatever it is to, to uh, get constant feedback about me, Dave Clay, the person. But I don't know that I got anything in exchange for that. Maybe, maybe it would be a service. Um, but the Apostle Paul would have had a presence on the web. Why? Because technology has amplified and magnified not the message, although it could be the message. We may end the podcast with that notion But at least at this point in our discussion, the messaging. First, it was to go to churches, gatherings, Mars Hill. Maybe before that, a person's home. Uh, Certainly for the Hebrew people, Israel, Judah, it was the temple. Jerusalem. The place to be, much like, again, Mars Hill, where you could hear, communicate, discuss, yes, conduct business.com, but once more, even so, a .edu. <laughs> it could be an educational opportunity. Philanthropy. If you wanted to help people, you could go to the place where most people go, where they're going to be available. You could identify the need. And thinking then in that sort of way, dot orgs. <laughs> they have missions, purposes. Used to call it a mission statement when you formed a corporation. Maybe you still have those. But they're all created for some intent, hopefully, besides just making money. Those probably, many, are just put together to make money. But it seems more noble. But when you go to a .edu, used to be that you'd have to go to a school, a campus, a classroom, to be taught, educated. You go to the temple to be taught, educated. You went to the church to be taught, educated in what? In word. What word? Certainly for all those 
religious sort of institutions, whatever the base word was, the foundational word was, the paradigm was, whatever you called it when you put it together and wrote it down, that was what you were taught. And in that way, it's not much different either. Because though we're at this point where it's a WWW, mass capability and capacity for messaging, mass diversity, mass exchange of ideas, commerce included, products. It's all about communicating. Because unless you have somebody who wants it, you certainly can't give it away. And if you <laughs> run out of want or need, then you probably need to get into another business or another ideology. If it's saturated, people are tired of hearing it. Religious institutions, though, have not been much different than any of the others in, again, pursuing the opportunity that technology offers to get the word out, to promote the idea. Again, I'll go back. Television used to be the only time you could watch religious programming on television was at four in the morning. Now, to the tribute of those who were program directors uh, or who were general managers or owners of the station that would otherwise be part of the broadcast network. They tried to include religious programming. It was considered to be a large part of many people, at least in some measurable way, more or less, maybe small, maybe large, but it was considered to be an essential to sort of a balance in this information. There was a sense of responsibility. <laughs> you get the Lord's Prayer, at least, the national anthem. Certainly on Sunday mornings, you could count on religious programming, maybe running all the way up until time for the network, home base, to start to broadcast their network programming, local versus network. But nonetheless, it had some aspect of that. Then, then there would be, again, in that same sort of a way, cable television opened up the opportunity for channels, and buying a channel or owning a, a television station could mean even so you could create another broadcast network with some sort of exclusive focus. And religion has always been probably not only about ideology, but sadly so about commerce and, and uh, promotion of books and, and all sorts of things. Again, getting back to written word, uh, you by now can tell <laughs> how it all fits together with this theme in mind. It's all about communicating and relationship, and nobody's been either above it, below it, or beyond it. And however, whatever way you want to measure that, whatever factoring, But what it comes down to, though, is a diversity of not only thoughts, but an understanding of some very basic principles. We like to not only know, some of us even like to share, but in that, it could get very confusing. If someone owns too much of that share, they can certainly influence larger, greater, bigger measure of the population. And supposing that you could do that and do that in such a systematic way that even from beginning to end, and I'm not really speaking to the onset of the idea or the commerce, 
the product to the end. I'm talking about beginning of a person's life. Schools, again, getting back to the EDU. We went to school, certainly to learn knowledge, but we were socialized in school. We were brought up with a particular paradigm, a way of looking at life. Yes, we all at some point understood the importance of the knowledge of good and evil. And I do think it's important. I don't think God would have put the tree in the garden except that it was, were to be important. But in that same sort of way, we always balanced it out. There was a time when most of the educated were also most of the religious, the spiritual leaders, the educated in the word. And I know that it wasn't only the Holy Bible. I know it wasn't only Judeo-Christian values. I, I understand that. I accept that. But in the United States, it was predominantly such. I suppose we're the Apostle Paul on Mars Hill. I suppose we're left with the same sort of circumstance. It's really not a dilemma. Could be if you're not prepared. We used to bring up children, raise children, educate children in the Word of God as much as knowledge, science. And the Word of God always took preeminence over science. Now, I don't believe at any point ever was the Word of God foolish. I think humans were lacking knowledge. I think humanity has, much like in an individual's life, moved from childhood to a state of adulthood. And that's overall from beginning to end. But if we we're at any point in humanity, it would correlate then to the point that most people have to come to a decision about Jesus. <laughs> What's this got to do with a decision about Jesus? Because certainly most by this point know of Jesus, the Word of God, at least within Christian context, and probably by this point, regardless of even age, it keeps getting younger and younger. They are teaching in school concepts that are, are not Christian concepts. They're, they're focusing on science, and of course, science in and of itself is sort of like technology, sort of like this whole idea of communicating. Uh, if it's not driven by a uniform paradigm, it's going to get chaotic and crazy. Then you can say, well, that's not true. If it's not valid, if it's not reliable, I'm not going to believe it. Well, okay. But I challenge you, you must also always approach any empiricism, any testing, research, with a theory. If you don't start with a theory, then you can still collect all the facts. And the unfortunate aspect of our humanity is we can't grasp them all. We are very limited in our capacity to see everything. In that, we have distorted perspectives. In some ways, we're but a speck, even sub-speck, if I could say it that way in terms of the massive whole that represents reality. We need a paradigm, a hypothesis. We need something to put all this knowledge into context of, or we're going to fail. And, and our failure begins the minute we begin to realize, and whether we would admit it or not, that is not the minute or the moment that we begin to realize it, but actually, genuinely, the, the moment we realize we're never going to come up with an answer, 
except we be given one. You may not admit that, but you're going to begin to fail. Well, we'll just control what we know. We'll just double down on what we think is the right way. Well, I've got news for you. <laughs> you can check this out on the World Wide Web. You can watch this still on television, cable as well as broadcast. You can get this on your iPhone, on your news feeds. <laughs> you can go to podcasts. You could go to the Word of God. And you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> the Apostle Paul used that as the basis, and it is a sound one. Especially if you think of it in any of these sorts of terms. You don't know what you don't know. There's no way you could know it. Why? Because you don't know it. Now, somebody else may have discovered it and found it. But you know, that's the problem with humanity. <laughs> There's a ceiling on it. There's not a ceiling on knowledge. There's a ceiling on our capacity to either register it, sense it, see it, measure it, or even conceive of it, except in human dimension and terms. So when we're left with not knowing, we come up with reasons, explanations. Yes, they are theories. Yes, it is beginning with a hypothesis. But what in the world is it based on? Something you saw? Something you ate? So let's say I go to my neighbor's house, they feed me a good dinner, and I get sick afterwards. I could say, never go to your neighbor's house because they're going to feed you dinner and you're going to get sick afterwards. Now, I could say that to my family, and if I said it often enough, and especially to my kids, I bet you I'd get some traction if they at all respected me. I could say it with conviction because I experienced it. But my neighbor is not the reason I got sick. It might not even have been the food that they gave me, although it could have been bad food. It could have been something else. But I don't know what I don't know. And in hopes of not getting sick again, because why? That felt awful. I threw up all night long. I thought I was going to die. I have to come up with some explanation, otherwise everything in life would scare me to death. I wouldn't come out of my house. Now, that's not always the natural in conclusion, but it's close. And especially the part about neighbors and food. And by the way, that did not happen to me. I just thought that up. But that's the point. You could think up anything. And kids are good at that. Yes. They're gifted with imagination, and yes, we love it because we're so bound to our knowledge of good and evil and the human paradigm, and I've not mentioned that, but it's true. It is what we now call humanism. The truth is, what I'm describing, science is humanism, if it's only attached to science or the human dimension. It has to begin with a paradigm, a way of looking at things that presupposes we don't know what we don't know. Not for the sake of ignorance, not even to put us down, but really, truly, we don't know what we don't know. But the Apostle Paul knew. And it wasn't going to be measured in terms of knowledge because if there was anyone that knew knowledge well enough, it was the Apostle Paul or how to acquire knowledge if there was ever an empiricist, a scientist, someone skilled in the hypothetico-deductive model of reasoning. 
what is supposedly, purportedly the basis, should be the basis of all education. Why communicate knowledge facts if you don't have a basis for either determining them to be factual but also interpreting them? And that's where really science falls short. Because I may have a tool to measure it. I may have a tool that assists me in understanding certain things, but if I still don't have a way of interpreting it, not only a theory about whatever the phenomenon or the experience, again, is that I'm going either through or interested in studying or have some fascination with or preoccupation with or whatever you want to call it. I could collect all the data in the world and still be entirely wrong. And if I only get data limited to my lifespan, my whatever number of years, and if I'm only a child, what good is it? This is precisely why God gave us the Word. Not human word, not humanism. He had to write it down. That was the way we communicated. So he had to use human dimension or in writing it through humans, writing it down, capturing it. There was going to be some aspect of human dimension. Now, we have to see past that. The Apostle Paul lived in a different age and time than we do. Although, I hope I'm making a fairly good case on the podcast today that though he lived in different cultural dimensions, <laughs> in today's podcast, we use the example of technology, but the issues are the same. We need an answer that's greater than ourselves because we are so limited in our ability to even remotely approach an answer. Now I can get from here to the bathroom pretty easily. By the way, I'm in a large room and there's only one other room and that's the bathroom and that's why that came to me. I've been there a hundred times, maybe, maybe more, maybe less. I've charted it out. I could almost guess how many steps it takes to get to the bathroom. I know where the light switch is. I could do it in the dark. But I have no idea what it's like to live on Mars <laughs> or, or in another galaxy or in another universe or more so even in this galaxy universe, on this terrestrial ball we call Earth, this planet, in my little office. Really, it's a conference room. There's a place, even within the context of where I am right now physically, a dimension. I can't register. Why? Because it's spiritual. The Apostle Paul was saying such, speaking such, communicating such on Mars Hill. There is a God, but he doesn't look like you and me. We are created in the likeness of God, but, we, but God's not human. I don't know. Maybe God has arms and legs. For me, the I at least the visionaries that have had privilege of entering into that holy of holies don't seem to describe him in those terms. Again, they have some human dimension, but they're not human. God is not human. But Jesus said it best. They that worship God, worship him in spirit and truth. That's what Paul was preaching. 
Jesus just came to articulate it. Yes, God put him, took human form. I want to say put Jesus. There is three manifestations that humans seem to be able to register. Two for most, three for those who know the Lord. There's, there's the physical dimension, who is Jesus Christ. There is the concept of God as a father we find in the Bible, and particularly the Old Testament. But only those that know Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior realize who God is. is more the Holy Spirit. He is virtue and character. Now you can say, well, in some ways that's a process, right? Much like science. And yes, there is a manifestation of God. I think science is a manifestation of God's likeness. And yes, it appeals as much as we have human capacity and capability. It's limited or restricted to that, but there's an appeal. We can see that. And science is probably the best tangible representation of an otherwise somewhat spiritual process sort of way of looking at the world. And thoughts themselves we know are not necessarily divinely inspired. They can come from the human dimension, but they're not really in the same way that the human body is physical, so they have some of that same spiritual attribute. But when Jesus said that, that's not what he was speaking of. He was speaking of the fact that if we're created in the likeness of God, it's in the likeness of his virtue and character. It's in the likeness of if he had thoughts, these would be the thoughts. But his thoughts are far above our thoughts, as human thoughts might go. And we are always needing assistance and even understanding those. When we know not what to pray for, the Holy Spirit can pray on our behalf, and we don't even know. That's how high God's thoughts are. But more than his thoughts, he's even higher, more lifted up, greater. He sits on the throne. And what is the throne? It is the virtue and character that is life. God is life. You can appreciate God in his creation. You can look at humanity and say, well, that's a nice-looking human. <laughs> and, and you can look at Jesus and say, this is in a human dimension what I want to be. But Jesus didn't celebrate his body. As a matter of fact, his body was crucified God didn't curse Jesus' body. It could not be broken. He resurrected Jesus' body, not because the body was important, but as a manifestation of God's creation. We shouldn't destroy anything. It's all beautiful. And if it's going to be, we need to let God do that. But what was resurrected was a resurrected body. What we are is spirit. We will become a new creature or a new creation in Christ with a new body. I'm praying mine is a human. I don't want a human body. Now, as long as there's humanity, I'm sure if I were to be resurrected and there were to be any intention and purpose that I appeal to other humans, then I might have human form. The angels take on humanoid form, but I don't think they're human. I know they're not. And I'm pretty sure they don't look like me. And I'm pretty sure God not only does not look like me, but he doesn't act like me. And if my flesh has any corruptibility, it would be for the sake that, again, only one human was the perfect human. The rest of us are really, in human terms, not important. Now, in divine Holy Spirit terms, all of us are important. Dave Clay, say your name, whoever you are listening, say it with me. You are important. 
But how does God negotiate that? He says, for the sake of communicating, for the sake of communion, become one with Jesus. It's better than technology. It's better than the World Wide Web. You don't need a phone, iPhone. You don't need a computer. You don't even need someone like me on a podcast. You don't need to watch me on TV. You really don't need to hear all the other pundits out there who are offering opinions, the majority of which do run the risk, probably all of which are at some level implicitly coming from a human perspective. So they're all going to be somewhat distorted, but not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he alone is the only perfect human. He is the paradigm, not only as God gave word, not only as in word he tried to capture for the best of our abilities what it's like to be God, (laughs) virtue and character, spirit and truth, not science only. The knowledge of good and evil is important, but it's the tree of life. The apostle Paul was trying to present to those on Mars Hill the tree of life. But he lost them. (laughs) Actually, they never were found. They lost themselves. They denied themselves. Hopefully not all. And we know it wasn't all because he got traction somewhere. We wouldn't be what we are today, the body of Christ, if the Apostle Paul hadn't gotten traction somewhere. But it was the traction, probably more so, of the Holy Spirit that testified of the risen Savior than it was anything Paul said. Yes, he had to appeal to the human dimension, and the human dimension, knowledge, has to agree lest you argue with God and fight with God all along, and you never receive the gift. The gift, though, was already forgiven unto you. It's in you. The Holy Spirit, he is in you. That's who God is. When Jesus says, they that worship God, worship him in spirit and truth, yes, there is a physical manifestation, that's Jesus. Yes, God put himself in human dimension and narrative word to capture what he was using human terminology because we could not comprehend him outside of the human capacity and the ability to communicate that. But thank God the Holy Spirit is who we're created in the likeness of. It doesn't matter what I come back as in a resurrected body, as long as I'm in the Holy Spirit. My saving is that God cares enough about me not to save me as a human, except by proxy of resurrecting Jesus Christ. I lose my humanity for the sake of Christ. I voluntarily give it up for the sake of Christ. Am I still Dave Clay? Yes. But you won't know me as Dave Clay. You'll know me by a new name. Will you recognize me in heaven? Yes, Scripture says you'll know as you are known. But it's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. The apostle Paul won over the Gentiles not through his eloquence of word or even his craftiness of presentation, nor his knowledge. And all of that was important. He was probably in that way comparable and even better to Solomon. How do I know? Because Solomon didn't. Paul did. Saul of Tarsus Pharisee among Pharisees had accomplished all that the Old Testament word could do to sanctify and prepare him to receive 
the rejuvenation, the impartation, not from outside, yes, from on high, but not from outside, from a higher plane, a higher dimension, a higher way, a more universal way, a way that ties all together, all together being all things living, all things alive together in the spirit of life. That's better than the World Wide Web. That's, that's not chaos. That's not crazy in the sense of, I've got too many options here. That's not overloading your kids. Used to be, again, going back to that idea of school. That's why we socialized the kids, so they wouldn't grow up confused. <laughs> We're all confused. Nobody knows up from down. Too many options. It's not by race that God chose to dominate the world. It wasn't a people's. It wasn't through any sort of human persuasion. I suppose there's a backdoor compliment in all that or a backhanded sort of compliment in all that, that somebody was brilliant enough, manipulative enough to pull this thing off. No. No. But it had to come from somewhere. And the Hebrew people were God's chosen ones. They were the most advanced in their comprehension and understanding of who God was. All the others might have been an approximation, might have been at times probably moving toward that end, but they didn't get there. And they still haven't gotten there, which tells me they never will get there. And by now, you don't need them to get there. Why? Because he's already presented himself. Jesus is the perfect human. If I emulate Christ, I do that in human dimension, and that's good because that's part of the Old Testament sanctification. I need to bring my member, my body, my members in my body, the elements of my body into proper alignment with what I know God wants me to look like and act like and be like in material dimensions, which is all, by the way, that I could ever hope to measure. He gives that to me with clarity in the Old Testament, and it's useful. It's useful much like raising up a child in the way of the Lord. It's useful so that when I get to my decision-making point, again, where society is today, I can say, yeah, I recognize the Christ and not argue with myself. I can see Jesus coming and not argue with myself. I can declare it. I can even be passionate about that, however that is. Humble, possibly. I'm inclined to give war cries, though. I'm excited about the victory. I don't want to hype people. Otherwise, it would just be human. But I want to inspire. Or if anything, I want the Holy Spirit in me, out of me. Coming out of me. Out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. I want to testify of Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to pretend. And even again, as the Apostle Paul, I'm going to become whatever they need me to be, not to the lessening of the Holy Spirit in me, or even what I am encouraging not only myself, but them to be. But it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. The sanctification of the body prepares me to then enter into not only communication, I start to hear that voice, earthquake, wind, and fire, the voice, but communion. I become one, one in spirit, and in that, I become one with Jesus. And do I feel offended by the fact that I'm no longer me? No, no, no. I am glad. I am joyous. I am happy. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a struggle at times. I don't want to minimize that. But when I think of it this way, I want to shout. <laughs> I want to get excited. Yes, I want to die to Jesus Christ. Why? Because I can live again. And I'm giving up all the things 
that are essentially my corruption. Why? For the better place. Not only in eternal dimensions, right? Because we measure things in time. God doesn't. But right now, I can have that. Not only may I enter into the kingdom of heaven now through my relationship, my communication with Jesus Christ, the communion through the Holy Spirit, becoming again as one with God, created in the likeness of God. Yes, with knowledge. Yes, God is reasoned and logical and rational. Yes, God is science. But more than that, it's the tree of life I need to partake of. And you do too. You do too. So the good news is, not that that's bad, but the even better news is, he's in you already. You just have to choose him. The Holy Spirit strives. We would not come to Jesus. Peter, Jesus told Peter, when he acknowledged Peter, acknowledged that Jesus was a Christ, only the Holy Spirit, Peter, could reveal such to you. Peter had the Holy Spirit before he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and so do we. We just grieve him to the point of denying him, to the point of hardening ourselves, searing our conscience, falling into such a state of apostasy that we can't be saved. That's death. And that we are the only ones that live in time, that's a scary proposition to think that you're forever cut off from life. But that's really what that's about. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. This is the only way to true life. Jesus. And now you have to make a decision. Now, I don't know who listens to this podcast. Times <laughs> I don't know if anybody does. But I don't care. You know what? I don't care. Because I'm saying what I need to say. It's life. And it can't be said I didn't say it. And it can't be said I didn't live it. And it can't be said me saying it to you doesn't encourage me in the spirit. But he's the testimony of who God really is. He's the testimony of what God's virtue and character really is. He's the testimony of what life really is. If you're tired of all the chaos, if you're tired of all the differing opinions, if you're tired of all the fighting, the bitter envying and strife, every evil work, his wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. You need to rest in him. And this is how you find rest. This is how you find unity. This is how you find not only communication, but communion. And not only with God, but with others who believe like-minded and spirit. And more than human spirit, we're united as one in the Holy Spirit. You don't get that from any other religion. There's no other doctrine, no other paradigm, no other thesis, no other hypothesis. You have to attach the facts to something that you can't come up with. <laughs> this thing, even as it is so simple to the human mind, is impossibly complex, except that you would be able to find, know, discern who Jesus Christ is through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for you today. That's my prayer for anyone who comes to see me. I cannot fix your chaos. God can. I cannot help you understand 
tricks, ways to somehow manipulate the data, the facts. I cannot apply logic and reasoning alone to solve your problems. I can be logical and I can be reasoned. I can even be as in my education, in my training, I know a lot of stuff. I can share what I know, what I've been taught, what my degrees and certificates, what my doctorate says, what my master's degree says, what my bachelor's degree says, what my postgraduate studies say, what my continuing education experiences tell me. And all that can be useful. But if you don't know Jesus, if you don't understand that you need this to make all of that make sense and that it's alive within you, you don't have to go to the web to get it. You don't even have to read the book to get it. But you'll recognize it. You'll make that decision. Our society needs to make that decision. Yes, will I lament if we choose anything less than Christ? Absolutely. I'll be grievous. But there'll be a part of me that says, okay, that's what God said would happen. The word of God says would happen. What Jesus foretold would happen. And God has a way. Maybe not my way. Doesn't mean I should give up on trying to spread the gospel, the word, to live it, to example it. But this is what has to happen. Evil destroys itself, but he won't destroy you. He, the devil, and the evil that he represents in this world won't destroy you. Why? Because we have that promise in Christ. You come see me. I tell no. That sounds like an answer, (laughs) not only to the present state of the world, But probably, as the world has always been, there's always been some element of this kind of confusion. The tree of knowledge won't answer all the questions. It's useful. It helps us. Gives us a lot of information. Ways to address natural life so we can have some good things in the natural. And God doesn't deny us that. He's not about cursing us. We curse ourselves. The devil tricks us into cursing ourselves but it's a tree of life. And if you come see me, I'm going to encourage you, especially if you come see me under what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry because I have all license then to tell you about Jesus. Now, you may see me in another context because I do work in secular context too. I will probably not be as inclined to maybe say that until I'm sure you're comfortable with it. But for those of you who are believers or seeking that answer, don't worry. You're going to hear about him. You're going to hear about God. You're going to hear about the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be taken back to the word of God. If you want to reach out to me, I always post my email address. And I'd love to hear from you. If you should choose not to communicate via the email, uh, certainly you can catch us on our next podcast. And so for now, I want to thank you for joining us today on What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. And again, my name is Dr. Michael David Clay. Be blessed.